Hello? Anybody home? Today, I want you to open your mind. I've almost come to the conclusion that the story is so damning that the mass of people can't deal with it. We are in process of developing a whole series of techniques to get people actually to love their servitude. We face a hostile ideology, global in scope, atheistic in character, ruthless in purpose and insidious in method. For we are opposed around the world by a monolithic and ruthless conspiracy that relies primarily on covet means for expanding its sphere of influence. To change the minds and the attitudes and the beliefs of the people of the world, especially the United States, to bring about one world socialist totalitarian government. The potential for the disastrous rise of misplaced power exists and will persist. It has patterned itself after every dictator who has ever planted the ripping imprint of a boot on the pages of history since the beginning of time. Brutes have risen to power, but they lie. Dictators free themselves, but they enslave the people. If you can get people to consent to the state of affairs in which they are living, then you have a much more easily controllable society than you would if you were relying wholly on clubs and firing squads and concentration camps. Tools of conquest do not necessarily come with bombs and explosions and fallout. There are weapons that are simply thoughts, attitudes, prejudices, to be found only in the minds of men. As you connect the dots between different people, organizations, places, religions, history, suddenly the picture starts to form. If you don't connect the dots, it's just a mass of what's all this about. The kingdom of God is within man, not one man, nor a group of men, but in all men, in you, you the people have the power to make this life free and beautiful, to make this life a wonderful adventure. Someone born in the United States is not more special than someone born in Mexico. Someone who is white is not more special than someone who is black. They're just vehicles for the consciousness to experience. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. They do not want your children to be educated. They do not want you to think too much. It was learned that the aliens had been and were then manipulating masses of people through secret societies, witchcraft, magic, the occult, and religion. They reach into our children in music, television, books. Prey on children's innocence. How can I disprove lies that are stamped with an efficiency? So if you have the opportunity to stand next to one of these machines, it feels like an altar to an alien god. Power is the most awesome force the planet's ever seen, but you wield it like a kid that's found his dad's gun. The Army Air Forces has announced that a flying disc is now in the possession of the Army. Too many others know what's happening out there, and no one, no government agency has jurisdiction over the truth. Any state, any entity, any ideology that fails to recognize the worth, the dignity, the rights of man, that state is obsolete. A case to be filed under M for Mankind in the Twilight Zone. About time some of you got acquainted with the real hard truth. It's the heart that says, I will not acquiesce. Across the gulf of space, intellects, vast and cool and unsympathetic, regarded our planet with envious eyes. Each of us, when separated, is always looking for our other half. And the desire and the pursuit of the whole is called love. Heart perception will change everything. Freedom is the privilege to be right. Freedom from the disasters of our mistakes. Broadcasting from the Sonoran Desert, 
I'm your host, Ryan Gable, and you are listening to The Secret Teachings Radio. If you'd like to contact the show tonight, you can email rdgable, rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook, our only two social media sites, and of course our website, www.thesecretteachings.info, where you'll find my books and our free show archive. If you're already a subscriber of The Secret Teachings, of course, I thank you so much for that. And I wanted to let you know that you will not lose your subscription as we transition the archive over to Aftermath.media. So you go over to Aftermath.media, check out what you get with your premium subscription and also with the basic TST subscription. It's all new. It's all a process. Again, if you have any questions, message me. Let me know, and I can send the email over to the Aftermath team if I cannot answer it for you. We also have our fundraiser for Contact in the Desert. We have a lot of people that have already donated a few dollars to send us since we don't have any sponsors or anybody that really tells us what we can and can't do and sends us places and tells us what we can and can't say. We're all listener-supported, and you guys have supported us. You gals have supported us for what has it been? 10 plus years officially, somewhere around 13, 14 for me on radio. Uh, I am very humbled and very grateful for that. Last week, if you missed any of the shows, as you know, they're in the archive. On Friday, we had a really fun show. It just kind of came together out of absolutely nowhere. I sat down to do the show and I thought, you know what? I'm going to text my friend Brad Olson and I want to see if Brad can do a show with me. If not right now, which I didn't think he'd be able to, maybe next week or something. And Brad texted me back almost immediately. I didn't actually see it. So I did the first hour of the show. And then I looked down right at the midway break and I saw Brad was available. And I thought, well, let's just get Brad on. And so he, uh, he gives me a call. I call him. And we talked about the golden thread uh, linking ancient civilizations together. We looked at Rapa Nui, the new find on Rapa Nui, the new Moai head. We looked at the red pigment on the walls of the king's chamber at the pyramid of giza also of gigantesia of the hypogeum uh, those are respectively on uh, gozo and malta the islands uh, we looked at the red pigment on the head of the moai that little helmet or hat they wear and we looked at this from the point of view of the womb and resurrection living resurrection rebirth uh, you know the land of the rising sun the red sun japan the color red in old Jap- uh, japanese uh, is a symbol of brightness and clarity and purification This relates to the mystery schools and the secret teaching. So we had this really great show with Brad on Friday called Koshi Koden, which is a Japanese word. It means ancient or parahistory. And after the show was over, Brad said, because I'm down here in Tucson, Brad said, hey, I'm going to be up in Sedona in a couple of days, a couple of weeks at a conference. And he said, you should come up and, you know, hang out. Uh, We haven't seen each other for a while. And I said, yeah, I'll, I'll think about it. I'll see if I can work it out. Uh, I'm a big fan of Sedona. I love going up to Sedona. Uh, it's beautiful up there. And there's a couple of restaurants that I like to eat out uh, eat out at up there. So uh, I looked around and I thought, I'll, maybe I'll just go camping. My fiance and I will go up there and go camping. We both like Sedona, see Brad. And I thought, you know what? Maybe I'll just contact the conference he's going to be at and see if I can get like a guest pass or something. And uh, so I contacted the, uh, the conference on a whim. And uh, I spoke to Suzanne Ross. And she hooked me up with a guest pass for the conference and said that she had heard of me at least before. Hope she heard good things. And uh, she said, maybe we should do a show sometime. And I said, well, let's do, do a show before the conference and you can kind of promote it. 
And so we, we have Suzanne Ross on the broadcast with us right now. Suzanne Ross up in Sedona, presumably. Suzanne, how are you? Welcome to The Secret Teachings. I'm doing really well, Ryan. Obviously, I'm preparing for this big three-day phenomenal retreat. And yes, Brad Olson is a dear friend of mine. He's been a friend of the families for years and has come and stayed in my home. We're actually co-creating a television series for Gaia TV called One, Operation New Earth. And Brad and I are co-hosts for that show. So it's so interesting that you should have brought his name up of all the speakers and persons at my event. Brad is probably my dearest friend. But yes, I'm very much looking forward to uh, hosting this event. I am the founder and creator of Sedona Ascension Retreats. This is our 15th event. We've been doing one every equinox for the last eight years and it just keeps growing and getting bigger and so we have to keep getting bigger venues and so this year we're at the Sedona Performing Arts Center which seats 750 and we've got lots of vendors. One unique thing about the retreats that I host is that we offer tours into Sedona's sacred vortex sites. We actually have shuttles come and pick people up and take them out into the vortex sites of Sedona. Because we're in Sedona, and the Red Rocks are the main feature of Sedona. So rather than just sitting in a conference space the whole time, we get out into the Red Rocks and have that vortex experience. We also teach a lot of workshops, and of course we've got amazing keynote speakers, Paul Selig, Matt Kahn, Billy Carson. So we're really looking forward to this event next weekend, March 17th through the 19th. And I will, uh, I will have the opportunity to be up there with you guys uh, that weekend. And and I should say this because this is I, I want to be very real with you, Suzanne. Uh, and I am pronouncing your name correct, right? It's Suzanne, not Susan. It's Suzanne Ross. Correct. Yeah. Right. Okay. So I'll be re- very real with you. There are there are some people at conferences that I've been to, or conferences that I've I've not been to that I've just I've looked at, um, and I have disagreements with them. And a lot of times, those people have issue with me disagreeing with them. Uh, when you, when you have, you know, a conference or you call it a retreat, uh, you call it a retreat, a conference, do you typically get people that, um, you know, can have disagreements and still have a good conversation and still, you know, have a, a positive outcome of the event? Uh, or do people just kind of, uh, just kind of listen and, and go from there? Do you ever have people that try to disagree just to, to explore new realms? Does that make sense? I mean, have different perspectives? Sure, right? Because we're a lot of what we're exploring is the unknown, <laughs> right? And so no one's really right or wrong necessarily, but this experience here, this precious gift we call life, offers many, many perspectives and many different viewpoints. So I think the best thing is just to be open-minded to honor and respecting you know, where everyone's coming from and just being open to the exploration. Okay, understandable. So Suzanne Ross is our guest this evening. You've got the retreat coming up in what is it? Two weeks now? Week and a half? It's coming up, coming up pretty quick. See, I get, I'm on countdown. I, I get excited about conferences. I mean, we haven't had a lot of conferences because of well, lockdowns, shutdowns, and also people want to do things online because it's cheaper. Uh, and but it's not as it's not as personable. And being at a conference, being at an event, especially in a place like Sedona, is so much better than doing something online, in my opinion. 
Yes, I mean, both have their value, right? We are live streaming this event, by the way. I was going to <laughs> ask you that, join yes. in the Zoom room. <laughs> but yes, getting together in person, there's nothing like a gathering of the Unity community and just having everybody in a room together. You know, that resonance will be creating harmonic resonance through sound journeys meditation, chanting, and, you know, the idea of that is clearly to expand into higher consciousness. We're going to pour our love into the ley lines, spreading this throughout the earth. So, yeah, there's things you can do in person that you can't do online necessarily. You can feel a lot more, I'd say, I don't want to say positive, it's too polarizing, but you can feel a lot more uh, intense energy when you're in person at events like this. You know, there's always going to be people you disagree with and people you don't get along with. But generally speaking, when I go to a conference, it's a really great time. And uh, it's always something where, positive or negative, I, I always learn something. That's kind of the whole point. But when 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 you say something like like Vortex, like I've been to Sedona so many times, Suzanne, and you know, the Vortex is like a big thing there. Everybody kind of even jokes about the Vortex. How How would you personally describe a vortex like what is this vortex what is this energy of Sedona can you describe that for us or for me at least well my knowledge about the vortex started with Ben Lone Tree who is an engineer who moved to Sedona decades ago and began using advanced equipment to measure the vortex. He'll go out on the land and he has devices that measure electromagnetism and he sets up a couple of computer monitors and can show you on the screen the vortex, which is an electromagnetic field. This electromagnetic field radiates from the Earth's inner core, which of course we know is iron magnetic. This area was once very volcanically active. And so what you have is uh, lava tubes, or sometimes they're called volcanic shafts, where no longer lava is flowing up through them, but it allows for a portal between the Earth's magnetic core and the surface for this spiraling energy to spiral up through. The spiraling energy also goes through the crystalline basement identified by geologists throughout Sedona, and as we know, crystal gives off what's called a piezoelectric effect. Mm-hmm. So this magnetic energy picks up electricity giving us an electromagnetic spiraling field which explodes onto the surface and creates this spiraling energy we call a vortex which is measurable on computer devices by uh, devices that measure electromagnetism. It's also tangible, especially when you are able to go into an expanded state of higher awareness. And so I am a licensed guide here with the Coconino National Forest, and I take people out into these sites where we engage in meditative practices to tune into that spiraling energy. Now, many people have been doing that for years here and have reported the different effects of the different types of vortexes throughout Sedona. You have what we call male and female vortexes. That simply means that they spiral in a different direction. The female vortexes spiral in the right direction or clockwise, while the male vortexes spin counterclockwise. 
also, again, that is measurable on these devices. In the female vortexes, people tend to feel more grounded, more connected to Mother Earth, also having this nurturing sense of love and compassion, while in the male vortexes, people tend to feel more connected to Father Sky, more expansive, more empowered, more assertive. And so that's been interesting to study over the decades as well. Of course, I did mention the crystalline basement that geologists have confirmed. And of course, quartz crystal gives off all kinds of interesting effects, not just having that piezoelectric effect, but also this effect that we know quartz crystal has of keeping time, of holding memory. And so with all of these red rocks being embedded with this pure quartz crystal and simply covered in red rock iron ore, Geologists hypothesize that when Sedona was under the sea 300 million years ago, she may have been pure quartz crystal monuments. When she surfaced after the floodwaters receded, then she gathered layer upon layer upon layer of rust, which is the red rock iron ore ore that you see covering all of these red rock monuments. So in essence, this is a very scientifically uh, based idea because people say vortex people say energy and these things can kind of sound very fanciful and i mean we, we make jokes about things like this but this is a very scientifically provable thing uh call it a vortex call it what you will i also know that it's not just sedona but other places that have you know the crystals whether it's crystals are visible above the ground or otherwise but in areas like this you get a lot of ufo sightings you get a lot of strange lights uh, things that are measurable by scientific instruments, as, as you described. So this is a very real scientific thing. I say science in the sense that it's mundane as opposed to the spiritual, something you can't see, something that's immaterial. But it's a very scientific thing, right, Suzanne? It's not just uh, a fanciful belief and kind of a delusion. It's a, it's a, it's a very real thing. Absolutely. And neuroscientists have come to Sedona and performed brain scans they have found that when you measure the uh, level of hertz that we can move into at these different levels of theta, beta, right? Um, they have found that when people are in Sedona, their brain naturally shifts into these theta states, which can be achieved in states of deep relaxation or in meditation. But even without engaging in any kind of spiritual practice, just being in Sedona, the effect of the vortex and the resonance of the crystal move people into these theta states. And so people come to Sedona and they naturally move into this higher state, which we might call a state of expanded consciousness. People tend to have spiritual experiences. Of course, Sedona is a UFO hotspot, you know, but all of these things contribute. And yes, they are very measurable scientifically by engineers, geologists, and even neuroscientists. What was the name of the guy that you said went to Sedona and he uh, he had measured this originally. What, what was that name? His name is Ben Lone Tree. His website is SedonaAnomalies.com and he literally has hundreds of pages of data. Okay, Ben, I just want to get this information for the listeners. Ben, B-E-N, and then Lone Tree, like L-O-A-N-T-R-E-E. -E. Is that right? L-O-N-E, Tree. Mm -hmm. Yes, Tree. Okay, so Ben Lone Tree. All right, get that. If everybody wants to write that down and go research it and look at it later. Okay, so the other thing is you said the Coconino Forest. Um, so you, you work with the forest and take people out there. Are you working like 
not contracted, but you said your license. Is that a federal license or is that a state thing or how does that work? So here in Sedona, there's an organization called SIMSA, Sedona Metaphysical and Spiritual Association, and they have a license with the Coconino National Forest for people to go out onto the land. I am an independent contractor for Sedona Mystical Tours, who is part of SIMSA's license with the Coconino National Forest. Okay, cool. That makes sense. So with, with that in mind, with that understanding, I want to ask you a very personal question. I'm not sure if anybody's ever asked you this before, and I mean it super sincerely. Um, how do you personally feel uh, in, in terms of, you know, vortexes and energy and all this with Sedona, which is certainly a very real thing. I've been to Sedona many times and I can feel it too. There's something there, uh, as you said, is also measurable on devices. Um, how do you feel about uh, the extremes of looking at, I'm trying to think of how to word this, the extremes of looking at something like, the, you know, the idea of a vortex in Sedona and other places and either accepting it so wholeheartedly that it almost becomes a delusional thing as opposed to people that re- just reject it because they don't think there's anything spiritual about life. Like there's two extremes there and balance is found in the middle. Uh, are there people that you've heard or people that you know or things that you've heard that kind of make you upset when people take the idea of the vortex and Sedona and just kind of blow it out of proportion? Have you ever come into contact with uh, with an idea like that and maybe that makes you a little upset or frustrated because you're, you're thinking, no, this is a very real thing and people shouldn't be uh, making this very fanciful. Is that ever a thought that occurs to you or something you think about? Just curious. You know, I'm just really open to whatever people are thinking and feeling and experiencing and, you know, just sort of what level of understanding that they're at, um, what evolutionary level they may be at. And so I have absolutely no judgment whatsoever about what anyone may think or believe about, you know, Sedona. I just invite people to come and have their own experience of it. And maybe they'll have a magical spiritual experience. Maybe they'll experience nothing at all. Maybe they'll move into a really expanded state and have an out-of-body experience, right? And so, you know, I'm just very open. I honor where everyone's at on their journey and just offer whatever guidance I can. Okay, would you say would you say the same thing if I were to ask you, do you ever feel like it maybe undermines the, the spiritual uh, significance of the stuff that you guys do when people tend to or try to sort of dismiss or undermine uh, the idea of, of, of what is there. Does that make sense? I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to corner you. I'm just trying to like get an understanding of where you're coming from. I mean, again, I would have a very similar answer as to, you know, everyone's on their own journey. Everyone's at the level that they're at. Everyone has a different experience of the reality. And I just honor truly where everyone is at. And, you know, it doesn't, uh, I, I love all things and beings unconditionally and, I just don't have any judgment about, you know, their view or, you know, I'm on my path, they're on their path and so be it. <laughs> okay, f- fair enough. Now let's take the, let's take the idea of the, the, the vortex. We're going to come, come up on break pretty quick here. Uh, Suzanne Ross is with us this evening on The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable. I wanted to ask you about the vortex and about the kind of like the male and the female energy. Does that remind you of maybe... It's probably not a good example, but does that remind you of crop circles at all or crop formations? Because people say that sometimes when they go into very real crop formations that are unexplained, they feel a similar kind of electromagnetic energy. Is it kind of similar to that? Have you ever thought about that or link the two things together? You think it might be coming from the same place inside the earth, if you will? I know that's one theory about crop formations. 
Yeah, I haven't done a lot of uh, research on crop circles, but I understand from some people that they feel the crop circle may be coming from the inner earth, some sort of projection from the right. inner earth that's right. creating that, and or some people believe that it may be being created by a craft that is coming in from above. Who knows? It could be both, right? But in any case, you know, I do believe that interdimensional um, consciousness, let's say, whether it's coming from the inner earth or the cosmos, could be more conducive in an area that has vortexes and or portals between dimensions. Well, it's almost like they would; those types of things would be attracted to them, right? Kind of like UFOs have traditionally been attracted to nuclear missile facilities. UFOs are also attracted to power lines, it seems, or they're attracted to, again, places like Sedona with the, all the, the quartz crystal. Yeah, there's definitely an attraction between these otherworldly or innerworldly things and everything from you know radiation and nuclear energy to something like crystals. Uh, there's definitely a connection between those types of things. Whatever sure. they whatever they are, you know, I don't necessarily know what they are, but um, you're going to have uh, is a John Polk going to be there at your conference? <laughs> Very dear friend of mine. In fact, he tells people that he moved to Sedona because of an interaction that we had online on Zoom when he was still living in Florida. Um, but yeah, he definitely always does my sky watches because he's such a good friend. Yeah, John Polk's a good and guy. And an excellent Skywatch guide. Let me make that clear. He has an innate ability to connect with the UFOs and the beings aboard, and he proves that during his experiences. Well, John Polk invited me the last time I was in Sedona. I felt so bad I couldn't go. He invited me to come and do like a private little thing, and I, I just didn't have time. So maybe I'll be able to do that this time. I was hoping that, that he would be there because uh, I've known John Polk for some time now. Su Suzanne Ross is on the show with us this evening. Suzanne, can you give out your website? And uh, if you'd like contact information, we're going to take a quick break. We'll come back and we'll continue the conversation. Great. What was your website? Oh, my website. Uh, so for the event, it's SedonaAscensionRetreats.com. My own personal site is SuzanneRossTranscendence.com. Okay, and would you mind spelling your name for the listeners, please, so they can uh, make sure they get it right the first time? Sure. S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-R-O-S-S, Transcendence.com. Transcendence.com. SuzanneRossTranscendence.com. All right, I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. Suzanne, when we come back, I'd like to discuss... I want to discuss the the idea of ascension, what that exactly is, kind of like we discussed the vortex. And I also want to discuss, you said you did a talk at the Consciousness Life Expo. Yes, uh, we just got back from uh, Los Angeles, the Conscious Life Expo. And my talk was about living in a virtual reality that I call virtuality. <laughs> okay, I want to talk to you about that. I want to talk about the soul and you said the name of your talk was like the soul behind the simulation. I want to talk about the soul, the simulation. I like to break words down, see where the person's coming from, and then we'll get into the specifics of it. And I'll let you kind of explain uh, your point of view on all this. Does that sound good? Perfect. Thanks, Ryan. Yeah, you got it. Suzanne Ross is our guest. Again, I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. You can find us online at www.thesecretteachings.info and Suzanne's stuff will be linked up under our show promo over on Facebook and over on Twitter at TST underscore underscore radio. More of The Secret Teachings after this. Don't go anywhere. Stay with us.
If anyone can hear this broadcast, I'm still on Earth. This is the frequency of Ground Zero Radio, Ground Zero with Clyde Lewis, and The Secret Teachings with myself, Brian Gable. From parahistory and the paranormal to the parapolitical and para-occult, you're listening to The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings. You know you can listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio. I don't need it. Or in the free archive on our website, thesecretteachings.info, or on any radio or podcast player or application. I don't need it. But you can also subscribe to our ad-free archive, now hosted by Aftermath.media. Definitely don't need it. There's the basic and premium options. You get the montages, my digital books, and more. For those of you who already have a Secret Teaching subscription, you can still keep that subscription. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info or aftermath.media and subscribe today. I need it! If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana? Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir. Or if that's not enough, check out Good Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports The Secret Teachings, but most importantly, it supports you. Hello folks, this is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. Excellent shows with your host, Ryan Gable. I hope you find it enlightening. Suzanne Ross is my guest this evening on The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable, your host. As always, our website will have everything you need to know about the show, books, subscriptions, the free archive, everything. On social media, you'll find information on our individual shows, Monday through Friday, and of course, on our guests. Suzanne Ross has the Sedona Ascension Retreat coming up on March 17th, the 18th, and the 19th. This year, 2023, it is in Sedona, as you can probably tell from the name Sedona, the Ascension Retreat, Sedona, Arizona, just north of where I am. I will be at the tail end of the event. I won't be able to come at the beginning, but I'll be at the tail end of the event. Uh, I'll definitely uh, be there on Sunday, uh, be there to see uh, Brad Olson's talk and uh, a few others. So I'll be there. If you're going to be there, stop by and say hello. Might not have met some of you before, especially a lot of people live in Arizona who listen to this show and other shows like it. So come on over to the Sedona Ascension Retreat and say hello. I'll also, of course, be at Contact in the Desert much later in the year. Those are the only two events that I'm uh, officially doing this year. Anyway, Suzanne Ross is with us this evening. Suzanne, the Sedona Ascension Retreat. We talked a little bit about the Vortex. I like to get 
definitions and perspectives and perceptions of of what people see and interpret those words to mean. So I want to ask you this. What exactly is ascension? How do you define ascension, describe ascension? I'm going to give you the floor, uh, and then I might have some follow-up questions, but but please, uh, Suzanne. So I like to equate ascension with evolution. <laughs> and so we're going to dive into this idea that we are living in a simulation. But if you can imagine that it is actually like a virtual reality game, the game of any, the point of any virtual reality game would be to level up. And we would translate that into meaning evolution, right? And so ascension is an expansion of consciousness, an evolutionary leap into higher consciousness. I believe that there are many spectrums of consciousness where we have, say, a 1D spectrum, a 2D spectrum, a 3D spectrum, and so on. But as evolutionary beings, we evolve through these spectrums. And as we do, we experience an expansion of consciousness. I believe each higher spectrum is all inclusive of the lower spectrums. And so it's simply an evolutionary expansion of consciousness that we might call an ascension into higher consciousness. I believe our souls descend from the highest levels and then turn around and ascend back to the source from which they came. So you could say we are not just on an evolutionary journey, but we are also on an ascension journey. Of course, we have free will as to whether we want to consciously choose to ascend or some people actually can stagnate at a certain level or even devolve or descend. And so it becomes a free will choice to consciously, intentionally awake, evolve, ascend, if we want to be on an accelerated path. Okay, so first of all, thank you for explaining that because I've I've wanted to talk to somebody about that word for a long time and I can't seem to get anybody to come on the show who will do that very thing. So first of all, thank you. Second of all, it sounds uh, very similar to, I don't know how familiar you're with, uh, you are with the Rosicrucian doctrine, but the Rosicrucians, you know, there's a little bit of this in, in Freemasonry as well and some other secret societies and just uh, brotherhoods and fraternities or what we would call the secret teachings of all ages. Uh, this is the idea of the mineral, I think, the elemental, the plant, the animal, the human, the demigod, and the God consciousness. There's seven, they call them seven divine rays of light or seven levels of consciousness that some plants are more conscious than animals and some animals are less conscious uh, than uh, plants, etc. So this kind of the way that the Rosicrucians describe it is these are circular, spherical, and they overlap each other. And uh, that you, you, this might not be, uh, this might not have any relationship to what you're talking about, but that kind of an idea that maybe animals could be more aware than humans or humans less aware than animals uh, the the overlapping of different levels or different ideas of consciousness um, is that kind of the idea in a nutshell. I'm, I'm describing it using my own terms, but does that kind of uh, describe ascension also by your definition? Absolutely, and seven levels sure sounds a lot like our seven chakras, and 
the seven colors of the rainbow and this level of seven embodied within our own being as we know that each level of the chakra actually represents a level of consciousness this would bring us into the idea of a kundalini awakening where we were able to stimulate our life force prana at the base of our spine and then it moves up the spine through seven ascending levels of consciousness. Of course, the first being survival, the second being creativity, the third being power, the fourth being love, the fifth being communication or communion, unity, the sixth being intuition, and the seventh being divine. And so certainly these are evolutionary ascending levels of consciousness. And, of course, this applies to all living things and beings. And so certainly any one individual, being it a plant or an animal or a human or a demigod or a god, it would all be at these different levels of consciousness. Now, here we are in this dimension, which is in, you know, within this certain spectrum, right, of perception. And that would also be different uh, free frequencies that are resonant within this particular game or we could call spectrum of light or spectrum of perception right but within any one given spectrum there's a certain levels of consciousness that resonate within that dimension if you will okay so then when you say evolution so you say an evolutionary spiritual kind of development use the word evolution are you talking about a physical type of evolution? Because people, people hear evolution, they probably always think Darwin, although it doesn't have to be Darwinian. So how, how do you kind of define evolution in regard to ascension, just like the development and the progress of where someone is spiritually? Evolution being related directly to your level of consciousness. And so we are vibrating beings, vibrating at different frequencies based on our level of consciousness. Of course, we are embodied beings, but I truly believe we are holographic in nature and that as we evolve in consciousness, our physical beingness will also transform because everything is interrelated, but I'm referring to evolution as it relates to our level of consciousness. Okay, I thought that's what I figured you were. I just wanted to clarify and to make sure that's what it was. Uh, when I think of, so I think of the soul and the spirit as being both one thing and separate things, the, the spirit kind of being the animating force of the material and then the soul kind of being the emotional center uh, that kind of descri uh, describes and defines what and who we are, what we like, etc. cetera. Uh, spirit and soul, this idea of the spirit and soul or the soul behind the simulation. How would you describe the soul and the spirit? Would you describe them as separate, the same thing? And I don't mean to get into a philosophical discussion. I'm just curious how you personally describe those in regard to this evolutionary spiritual idea called dissension, call it uh, whatever you choose as a listener. Go ahead, Suzanne. I would describe it in exactly the same way. In fact, you just took the words out of my mouth. I would say that spirit is the animating life force <laughs> and the indigenous would refer to it as the one great spirit that animates all living things and beings. We could call it the life force or the prana, right? But then you have your own individual expression of self, which we could describe as the soul. 
right? And so I would describe the spirit as the one animating life force of and from the divine source of all that is, and the soul as our own unique expression of self. Of course, that would then get into our DNA, all of the experiences that we have had in this and past lives, our own personal encodement, right? Our level of consciousness, the star we were born under, our genetics, you know, what have you. And then I guess if you link together the mind, body, and soul slash spirit with the four elements or, you know, the four uh, outstretched limbs and the fifth being the head like the pentagram, you get the four elements, the water, air, earth, and fire mixed with the mind, body, spirit, or soul, and you basically get well, that divinity of the number seven, again, in terms of creation, in terms of spirit, in terms of uh, different cultures call it different things. But when you link these sacred numbers together, you get these um, you get these other sacred numbers. You link three and four sacred in their own right. Everything is kind of sacred. But when you, you look at the world this way, you realize that, and, and I've noticed this, I think, in the last 20 to 30 years, It's in, and I'm only 32 years old, though, Suzanne, so you know, take that for what it's worth. But in, in my lifetime, I've noticed there's been a shift from very heavy, dense institutional religions, kind of back to what a lot of anthropologists believe were some of the first religions, and that is animism, that everything is animated with some kind of spirit or some kind of energy. And I think that people might call it new age or call it whatever you will, but a lot of uh, the interests that you have, a lot of the interests that I have, takes me to that place where everything is animated. It's almost as if we start out historically and anthropologically with this idea that everything has spirit. We move these institutional religions. I'm not saying they're all bad. Many of them are very good and teach good things. But now collectively, we're sort of uniting together and coming together across the world. And we're finding intense interest, almost like an intuitive interest and desire to explore these unknown realms that take us into the idea that everything, even this microphone, everything is in some way, shape, or form infused with spiritual essence, the energy of creation, et cetera. Does that make sense? Do you have thoughts on that? Absolutely. I think everything is intelligent. This universe is intelligent in nature. We know that through all of the science and mathematics and even now the quantum physics and that there is an animating life force that causes the vibrational frequency of all living things and beings to even exist. And everything is created by this divine intelligence. And so all things and beings contain that divine intelligence, right? And so we would refer to that as infinite intelligence. And that's very empowering in that we are intelligent conscious beings. And so as such, we can actually communicate with all other intelligent living things and beings and in that way we can have sort of a uh, communicative effect on the reality that is unfolding around us we can communicate with all other living things and beings be it plants or minerals be it animals or other humans be it you know more advanced evolved beings in other dimensions but yes everything could be uh, defined as infinite intelligence Again, some people might refer to that as animism, but choose to call it what you will, or people might refer to it as God. It kind of is omnipresent. It is uh, omnipotent. It is everywhere. It is in and outside of all things. So that is that is ascension. Suzanne described ascension um, and a little bit about the soul. 
Uh, can you describe for me the, the, the idea of a simulation? Because obviously, you know, there are plenty of books written about this, old and new. Plenty of people talk about simulations. I think some people take it super literally. Some people take it figuratively. Some people in the middle. How do you describe the simulation uh, that is in front of, if you will, the soul, the soul behind the simulation? What is the simulation? And so, yes, we don't necessarily take it literally because certainly we are not like Sims in a computer game because we are of and from the divine source and we are always infused with our divine essence or with our soul. (laughs) And so we use it as an analogy to help give a reference or create uh, comprehension around this idea that this reality is being projected from a source at the center. We know that most everything in the creation of space-time is holographic in nature. Everything is energy vibrating at different frequencies to give it its color, its form, its density. And so as a holographic reality or space-time, even as a hologram, must have some source for that hologram. And so it is being then projected from a source at the center. The big fan of the Urantia book, which was channeled in the 1950s, and you got this over 3,000-page tome (laughs) that is written in a very advanced, sophisticated language. But the idea behind this book is that there is a central reality at the core of creation. And this is the eternal realm or the central universe, which is settled in the eternal now moment. And this would be the dominion of the eternal souls, which are having an existential reality. Of course, this is all sourced by the infinite sea of beginningless, endless consciousness. But this eternal realm, existential in nature, where the eternal souls, you could say, reside, are the source of space-time, which I believe is a mental projection this mental projection of this hologram of space time being created so that eternal souls could have another way of knowing thyself beyond being and existing and into doing and experiencing. And so space-time as a hologram gives them a way to project holographic fractals of themselves or their personalities into different timelines and dimensions. And so this is the soul behind the simulation, the one who is projecting aspects of itself into space-time to have these experiences in order to know thyself. Would you say that uh, there's almost a relationship then, and it might not be a relationship, it might be just part of the explanation, uh, the way in which you look at the human body and you see how in reflexology, for example, you could touch certain parts of the foot and affect certain organs in the torso, and that idea is kind of like uh, a hologram. Every part of the hologram uh, is not broken down into small pieces. The whole thing when it is broken down, is broken down into the whole thing in smaller and smaller pieces. It's just a piece of the whole thing, but it's a it's a whole piece of the whole thing, if that makes sense. So like the body 
every part of the body is connected to every other part of the body. And the hermetic axiom of as above, so below, everything below is connected to that which is above and vice versa. I mean, everything truly is, as cliche as it sounds, everything truly is one. Everything comes out of the all and the all is one. Uh, these are very cliche terms, but it is very true. Everything is interconnected in that way. Even if you look at like the way that a plant grows or the way that bees or birds fly, or you look at the spiral of a seashell or a hurricane or a tornado, a, a vortex, uh, galaxies that spiral, everything is an expression of everything else in large or small form. And this idea, probably one of the most ancient and hermetically sealed ideas and concepts, as above, so below, really is one of the found, uh, foundational uh, descriptions and foundational laws of the entire universe and, and everything that we perceive to exist in that universe. Yes, I mean, as above, so below perfectly describes a reality that is being projected from above, we could say, right? Even in the cosmos, how, let's say, the constellation of Orion and the three dot stars are perfectly aligned with the three pyramids at Giza, right? It's as if the ancients were trying to replicate what they were seeing in the heavens with what they were building on Earth, even if they had a little assistance, let's say. <laughs> but it is a duplication or reflection of a central source being projected onto these earth planes. And so certainly it would be a mere image in that way. Now, let me ask you this. Uh, this might take us into something else, but we can, we can circle back around. You say that the you say pyramids, pyramids of Giza connected to Orion's belt, what what is that exactly? Because I've heard a lot of theories, a lot of opinions, a lot of viewpoints. I've seen a lot of books published on it. Can you give us a brief description of what that exactly means? Or I mean, I get what it would imply, but how do we know that? Like, how do we know that there's a connection between the two? Because I sincerely uh, myself don't know. I've just heard things. I, I don't know for sure, though. Yes, well, constellations move across the sky, so there would only be certain times when that was true. Um, sure, but sure. at the time that the pyramid was supposedly built. And of course those timelines keep moving back further and further and further and further. And some actually believe that the pyramid may have built as early as 12,500 years ago, let's say. And so the pyramid being built in such exact dimensions all around and this everlasting rock still within a quarter inch of its original perfect dimensions all around, even the latitude of the Great Pyramid at Giza being equivalent to the speed of light measurements. And so it's incredibly well uh, built, aligned in absolutely perfect dimensions that align with perfect ratios. And so it is of a very intelligent design. It is very ancient. It has a very specific purpose. And yes, uh, the King's chamber, the queen's chamber, the pyramids itself, 
are all aligned with different points of space-time in the cosmos where the intelligent life that may have been involved in building the pyramid as an energetic device on our planet. Um, also, being in the Great Pyramid, you have an experience of connecting with these higher beings of intelligence. And so I think the pyramids at Giza and the pyramids uh, throughout uh, Central and South America, like Teotihuacan, you know, they're very significant in their connection to the cosmos. Well, so I know that the well, the Pyramid of Giza, the Great Pyramid, Khufu, Cheops, uh, the, the name, whatever you choose to apply to, but the Great Pyramid, uh, in the, I think it was in 1940, uh, uh, an Air Force pilot named P. Groves was flying over it, and he took photographs, and he, he showed that the shadows at that time when he took the photograph revealed that the pyramid actually has eight sides, depending mm-hmm. on... You, yeah. You, yeah, you know, that that's, that's, that's fascinating, yeah. and it's weird because that is precisely uh you, you reference south uh, central america that's exactly how the pyramid of the sun in central america was constructed it has this similar lighting and shadow manipulation um and there are lots of theories on this but there certainly are pick and pick and choose as a listener but there certainly are certain aspects um, not necessarily astro- astronomical but like mathematical here on earth that you can physically see taste touch smell and hear uh, that show us that the sophistication that went into the building, not of the pyramid, but of all of the pyramids from uh, the Temple of Khan to the Pyramid of the Sun to the Great Pyramid of Giza. Uh, there's pyramids all over the world, as as you know. Um, they were all built to a, a very specific set of specs. And from my understanding, this is what I promote as a, I don't want to say a theory, but this is what I promote as my belief. I'm open to interpretation. I believe that these structures... Talk about resonance and vortexes. These structures were built as resonating chambers, as miniature or microcosmic versions of the universe. And the pyramid or the temple, wherever it might be, acts as a type of womb uh, for, well, uh, people like Freddie Silva have talked about this. We've had him on the show. Uh, A kind of living resurrection where one is put into the chamber for three days and then resurrected like Lazarus or Jonah and the whale. Uh, This is what we call the mystery schools of Greece and Egypt. But the whole point of that process was to realize after you go through the initiatory stages that there is no death, that the spirit is all and everything. And that it doesn't mean that, you know, you're going to live endless lives and be rich and famous. That's a material thing. That's a cultural thing. It means that you are endless. You are timeless and that there is no death. There's only an experience and you should leave the best you behind as you move on into the next world, etc. That's kind of the idea of living resurrection. And that's when you become, I don't mean to rant, Suzanne, but that's when you become a son of God. And that could be an S-O-N or an S-U-N, a son of God. And a son of God is really, or a daughter of God, a son of God, an S-U-N, is really just a, that divine spark again, that soul that emanates from the rising sun in the east which is, again, as I said earlier, this is why in uh, old Japanese, the word red meant pure, bright, uh, and uh, it had a relationship to these, these ideas of, of resurrection, or as a Christian would say, being born again. Uh, and in fact, it's really fascinating, Suzanne, I don't know if you've ever heard this, uh, Giza, Iza, so G is like geometry, uh, like in the Masonic square and compass, you know, building and constructing precision. But Iza, E-Z-A, actually shares a relationship from Egypt all the way to the very isolated islands of Japan 
where they know it as Isa, E-S-E. And one of the most uh, powerful and ancient shrines for Shintoism in Japan is called uh, Isa or Isa Jingu. And it's to the goddess Ameterasu, who was a, a goddess of the sun. And she goes into the cave for three days and she's resurrected. And these stories are telling maybe historical accounts of cataclysm. Maybe they're talking about the, the process of death and rebirth. But it all has to do with resonation. It all has to do with being born again in those red chambers, those resonation chambers in the womb of the goddess. And as you are resurrected, as you are reborn, you do sort of transcend the physical because you realize there's a lot more to the world than the physical uh, real life begins, perhaps you could say, after you die, but you're no longer scared of death. That's the point. Take that for what it's worth, but if you have thoughts on that, uh, I'd love to hear them. I mean, yes, on everything that you just said, which was all incredibly profound, and I feel spot on that the pyramid is definitely a harmonic device uh, for resurrection, and certainly those sarcophagi were never used uh, to bury pharaohs in, uh, but certainly chambers to sit in to have that resurrection experience, and again, how those chambers can be aligned with uh, points in space-time in the cosmos as well, and so then you get your uh, galactic groups like the Arcturians or the Orions or the Pleiadians or the Syrians um, as being uh, intricately uh, interwoven into the consciousness of humanity uh, and also as more advanced and evolved races, uh, having everything to do with assisting in our ascension, in the resurrection, in our evolution, because as you said, we are all one and our evolution is their evolution and we have this evolutionary impulse uh, to ascend and progress. And so, yes, um, everything that you said, uh, the, interestingly enough, the uh, Great Pyramid at Giza was originally called, anciently, Bull Mountain. And that is a reference to the bull, or the sun, S-U-N or S-O-N, sacrificing itself so that its mother, the cow, can return to the womb. And so there's bull and cow uh, analogies there that also uh, have related to alpha and omega. And, and there's been many pictographs discovered on the walls of the pyramid that have these alpha and omega symbols as well as the symbols of the bull and the cow. This is probably why Hathor or Isis also has this relationship with the cow or the bull. Uh, more on this with Suzanne Ross when we come back from break. I want to talk a little bit more about what we're discussing now and go further into the night. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. There's more after this. Don't go anywhere. From parahistory and the paranormal to the parapolitical and para-occult, you're listening to The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. Want to hear more of The Secret Teachings radio show? Search for the show on any radio or podcast player or find links and a free archive at thesecretteachings.info. You could listen to this. And again, you know, people say David has no evidence. David has no evidence. <laughs> 
I hate this channel. Or you could listen to The Secret Teachings with myself, Ryan Gable, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. Join us to explore the outer limits of history, symbolism, parapolitics, and more. We'll explore a little bit of everything, but don't take my word for it. I'm kind of like you. I'm the last of a dying breed, a generalist. That's The Secret Teachings, five nights a week on Ground Zero Radio. If you enjoy The Secret Teachings and want to hold years of Ryan's research in your hands, visit the website and grab a physical and digital copy of Ryan's books. Occult Arcana will introduce you to sacred myths, folklore, magic, and alchemy. The technological elixir will take you from transhumanism and AI to black goo and UFOs. Food philosophy will change your mind about what we call food, germ theory, and geoengineering. And remember, shipping is always included. Some restrictions exist for international. Visit thesecretteachings.info. Hi, it's David Childress from Ancient Aliens, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. You know you can listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio. I don't need it. Or in the free archive on our website, thesecretteachings.info, or on any radio or podcast player or application. I don't need it. But you can also subscribe to our ad-free archive, now hosted by Aftermath.media. Definitely don't need it. There's the basic and premium option. You get the montages, my digital books, and more. For those of you who already have a Secret Teaching subscription, you can still keep that subscription. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info or aftermath.media and subscribe today. I need it! Suzanne Ross is my guest tonight, or this morning, depending on when and where you are listening around the world. This is The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable. The first hour tonight, we broke down those words that are thrown around a lot. Words like soul, or simulation, or ascension, etc. Suzanne has been kind enough to give us her interpretation, her view of what those words mean, and most of what she said, uh, she just, uh, as I do and many of you, we just maybe define it in different ways or describe it in different ways, but I think uh, mostly we're coming from the same place, the idea of the different levels of consciousness, those Rosicrucian levels I gave you. They're in my book also, Occult Arcana. And the idea of ascension being more of an evolutionary spiritual journey, that's what I've always kind of interpreted it as. But I hear other people using that word as kind of a physical thing. And Suzanne, before we go any further in the show, I want to ask you this question. Uh, You might have the same answers you had for me earlier. But I've heard sometimes people use the word ascension almost as if it's rapture-like. And you you might be okay with that personally because wherever people are in their journey, and I understand where you're coming from, But that could potentially be very dangerous if we use that kind of a word in that capacity. I've heard some people do that, where it almost becomes religious-like. Do you have a problem with that, or do you just see that again as kind of, you know, whatever the case is? Like, personally, I see it as kind of a dangerous thing. That's why I'm asking. I'm just curious what your take is on that, and then we'll move on back to what we were discussing in the last segment. There's just some things that 
we don't know until or unless it happens, right? And so, yeah, some people do have that interpretation that somehow our souls are going to be called into another dimension, let's say, and then we would go out of existence in this dimension and leave a pile of clothes behind, let's say, right? And, you know, we just don't know if that possibly is something that could happen. I mean, we have heard of some people like Carlos Castaneda comes to mind where he simply walked into invisibility um, and possibly, you know, he just uh, popped into another dimension and out of our perception, right? Which I think can happen as you uh, loop around the torus of time. Um, that's another scientific concept that we can or, you know, can't get into, whatever, whatever. but um, I think the idea that people can pop out of this dimension and into another dimension uh you know, is plausible. And so call it rapture, what you will. Um, but I think you're just referring to like uh, a being who is perceptible in this reality who suddenly isn't. And what happened to that soul? Um, right. Well, yeah, this is um, actually something that you find in a lot of really classical occult teachings. Uh, Cornelius Agrippa, I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with the name at least. Yes. Okay, so Corn mm -hmm. Cornelius Agrippa once wrote, and I think this was in his massive four-book compilation of occultism, he said uh, that uh, once knowledge of self, let's call it, once knowledge of self or the I am is recognized, man will quote, this is him saying this, will quote, ascend to so great a perfection, so this isn't a physical thing, it's a spiritual thing, that he has made the son of God, and is transformed into that image which is God and is united with him. And what uh, Agrippa is explaining is basically what Alan Watts also, he took up this study as well and said that this is the second coming of Christ. It's the realization of who and what you are, and it's ascension, but used perhaps in a different context, and some people do use it, uh, that you are ascending to perfection. You are being made like God, like in the mystery schools in Greece, Rome, Japan, etc. And part of that process means opening the mind and you get this flash of, I mean, everybody that listens to this show, I'm sure have experienced this at one point. When you learn something new, you get this like hunger, this flash of, of, of wisdom or knowledge or knowing or intuition. And that's what Alan Watts calls the second coming. And all of this is heralded, not in the physical world. It's heralded in, in the brain in the mind, which is the, you know, the dome, you call it the firmament. You could call it the, the tomb, the womb. Uh, it's almost, you know, uh, it's like uh, the, the temple. It's like the two pillars. You have the two uh, sides of the brain and you have the, the temples. That's why they call it the temple. So all of this is something that could be interpreted. Yes, certainly literally. But as well, Suzanne said it earlier as well, and we were discussing it in the last hour. A lot of this is kind of uh, symbolic or a lot of this is kind of an analogy. Uh, and the thing is, when these stories are told and passed down from generation to generation, uh, whether that's verbally or in text, they are preserved in myth and they are preserved in theology, even institutional theology. So as long as people are learning these things, it can have a, an awakening effect, even if you interpret it as a literal thing. I mean, certainly some things and beliefs can still become cult-like and dangerous, no doubt about it. But a lot of this is taking place in the mind. And I think that's a really important thing, at least for me. I'd like my audience to recognize that it's a really important thing to think about. A lot of this is happening in the mind, a lot of this is happening in the I am, uh, the internal self. Uh, but that's that's my viewpoint. 
well, certainly everything is mind, right? And all of our minds are interconnected in the one great mind. And, you know, maybe, maybe everything is just mind. And this is all a dream that the eternal soul is having. And, you know, we have these senses, which are really just synaptic charges firing in the brain to make us believe that we are seeing, hearing, touching, tasting, right? Um, but since we do have these senses and this does feel like a real reality that we are in and experiencing, then I think it's helpful uh, to speak of it as such in order so that it's relatable, right? And so here we are in this reality, which we know is highly intelligent. Of course, you're familiar with the Fibonacci sequence, the golden mean spiral, you know, everything can be broken down to mathematics and quantum physics. Absolutely. Yes. Super, mm-hmm, and supersymmetry. They've actually identified ones and zeros, even in DNA research, they've identified bits as ones and zeros when you break down the different codes. And so, you know, this idea that there is an, a sort of computer simulation that we are experiencing as what I like to call heaven's technology, because I don't want to, people to feel as if this is a computer program in the sense of a computer game. Uh, however, there are definitely analogies with that. And so we could say heaven's technology or God's technology here, creating this particular program or this version of a virtual reality game that we could say our source self is playing with its avatars who who are dispersed throughout different timelines and dimensions, us being the avatars, right? We're still streaming consciousness with our source self, who is an aspect of the one great self, right? But at the same time, I feel like these avatars have free will to play the game in any which way they choose. So I don't like us to feel as if we're being played, but rather we are the players who are playing this game and we're making different choices as we move through this reality that is either evolving us and ascending us in consciousness, you could say, and or we're making choices that may be keeping us in the game or even devolving or descending. You see, it's all based on the choices that we make. I do feel that our source self, who is the one projecting us, may give us nudges with a higher perspective to say, hey, maybe you don't want to make that decision. Maybe that doesn't serve your highest good. Or maybe you have an awakening experience where suddenly you feel much more consciously aware or awake in the game. And now you're making intentional choices that lead to evolutionary leaps in consciousness. I feel like then your source self rejoices, right? Because as the one who is behind the game, the level uh, leveling up is the point of the game, right? And so when it sees its avatar, are leveling up and able to ascend to the next level of the game, then in essence, that avatar has mastered 
that one level of the game and we could call it ascension but when the game is over then that avatar can move up to the next level of the game those avatars who aren't done learning in that particular game yet will go around the wheel again and I do believe that this is a 26,000 year game I'm sure you're familiar with the procession of the equinox where there is this 26,000 year game we're playing where it's like 13,000 years on a descending arc into the dark ages and then 13,000 years on an ascending arc into a golden age of enlightenment where then you get to a point where the game's over and either the souls will go around the wheel again, what Buddhism would call the wheel of separation and suffering here in this reality of duality, or if that avatar has mastered the game and the game is over, that avatar can level up to the next level of the game, and people might call that ascension into the fifth dimension, right? Um, but it could also be leveling up in the game. You know, you have uh, basic mythologies that ascribe certain uh, time periods or ages to uh, certain metals, you know, like the Golden Age and uh, then down to the mm -hmm. Bronze Age. Mm -hmm. uh, you did. Yep, and then you have the well, you have the yeah the, the Hindu yugas. You have Blavatsky's root races. You have uh, Edgar Casey talked about uh, millions of years ago five root type races. Uh, there's a sacred document uh, that is authenticity is questionable called Takanuchi, which is a Japanese document that appeared in the 1920s, like 1928. It talks about these four major world dynasties, and it actually funny thing is it actually talks about uh, the creation of these. Uh, these kings that rule over the earth, and one of them is named Adam Eve, and you'd think, oh, that's just a, a, a merging of Adam and Eve. But the fact is, Adam Eve in this weird, strange, mysterious document uh, is is the king of the of a, a race of people called the Red Race. And funny thing is, in Hebrew, the word or the name Adam actually means son of the Red Earth. So you get these weird connections to ancient documents. You get these weird connections to channelings. You get these weird connections to very foundational mythologies uh, and uh, very foundational belief systems. So you get a wide variety, a wide spectrum of things. And whether the authenticity is in question or it's not, you kind of have the same idea in terms of the segmented and the breakdowns of, uh, the, of, of the passing of time and different periods of, again, golden ages or periods of decay. But I think it's all in a loop. I agree that it's a loop. It's mm -hmm. cyclical mm -hmm. um, and it's not necessarily good or evil, which is it brings me back to free will, Suzanne. I, I think free will, this is my opinion, I think free will is the idea of following God's plan. You know, like George Carlin said, what good is God's plan if every schmuck with a $2 player prayer book can come along and F up God's plan? But I think God's plan, if you define it, is really the law of nature uh, and working harmoniously with nature to whatever that might mean to the individual. So really free will is working alongside of nature, putting oneself in sympathy with nature, um, and I like the I like the very Eastern idea, not of suffering, uh, but the Shinto idea that life is inherently good. And as long as you're in, in Shinto, it's as long as you're serving the kami or which are the, you know, basically the spirits, uh, then everything you do serving those kami uh, is abiding by the laws of nature. And that means that what you're doing is really, in a sense, God's work. And you are you do have free will, but free will means to follow the laws of nature. I think a lot of these things, call them myth, call them religion, call them philosophy. The whole point of these ideas, no matter what you think of them, is to improve on the state of human affairs. It's to improve on the state of your internal affairs, your internal dialogue. 
It's to make life more livable, to make life more comfortable. And it is to, again, call it whatever. I personally don't like the word ascension that much. I like progress. Call it whatever you want, though. But but the whole point of all this stuff is to progress forward, is to move ahead and not to remain stagnant. And that's that's the one reason, Susan, I don't like the um, I don't like the literal interpretation of I know you said it's an analogy and I and I, and I agree with you, but I don't like the literal interpretation of uh, ascension or computer simulations, because I think a lot of people take that as kind of like Jesus is going to save me. I just don't really have to do anything because it's all just a computer simulation. I'm just going to ascend anyway, or if Jesus is going to come save me. And although I have nothing against Jesus and I have nothing against you know, some of these ideas, I, I think that they can really be uh, weightful and negative if looked at in that in that way. So just some information on me. That's where I'm coming from uh, in relation to what you're talking about. Uh, I just want you to see uh, what my point of view is on that. Absolutely. And like you were talking about a loop. And so in the bigger picture of things, it's really an alpha and omega journey. And so you can just think about the descension of the soul and then the ascension of the soul on this alpha and omega journey from source down into lowest density reality and then ascending back up into the source from which it came. And that goes back into the loop. But you could call it devolutionary and evolutionary. We could focus on ages that move in a cyclical loop, um, what have you. Um, and, you know, I do agree with you about, you know, this computer simulation. And if people take it literally, then it feels like they're just in a program and they're being programmed. But you uh, so acutely talked about, you know, free will. And I think that free will choice, it gives the avatar the choice of choosing the shadow or choosing the light. Certainly, we... Um, at some point we'll wake up and turn around and choose to align with the divine will, right? And then we proceed on our evolutionary or ascension journey, whatever you want to call it. Um, but I think that souls also descend into these lower, more dense uh, realities in order to experience the shadow. And it just gives them a different perspective through which to know thyself through the shadow or through the light. Um, they may be aligning with the little will, <laughs> for a while until they wake up and align with the divine will. But the avatars have the free will to do as they will in any one of these realities because in truth, they're really just here to have the experiences which are going to teach them the lessons that they came here to learn on this ultimate journey to know thyself. You know who Meister Eckhart is, the German mystic? Have you ever read mm -hmm. his stuff? I sure do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he, he has a fascinating quote. He said, if you fight your death, you'll feel the demons tearing away at your life. But if you have the right attitude to death, you will be able to see that the devils are really angels setting your spirit free. So even the dark things in the world, Suzanne, are usually there to help us and we can learn from them. And it's a balancing game of homeostasis, trying to find balance between the good and the evil, the darkness and the light. I'm not saying darkness and evil doesn't exist, uh, but conceptually speaking, all these ideas of demons and monsters and very negative dark things can actually be necessary evils. And especially if we don't have that perspective, how can we ever know what light or good or God or whatever these words are that you want to use? How can we ever know what those things are? We have to have balance between the two. Otherwise, we just either have pure chaos in a dark sense or we have this idea of like pure light which is it's a great concept, but there is also false light. And that's a very dangerous thing we have to recognize as well. 
beautifully said yes and this idea that we start out from the brightest light and we descend into the darkest dark we move through a reality of duality like that one which we are in now where there seems to be a balance between light and dark right and we are learning in this reality of duality through the comparative of light and dark and what we might label as good and evil right but I do believe as we proceed on our ascension journey uh, that we are moving into or back to the light and then we proceed through higher and higher spectrums of light which would be vibrating at a higher frequency and everything getting lighter and lighter until we return to the source of light in the universe, right? Um, we might even call that a singularity experience. Um, but uh, certainly darkness can serve the light, absolutely. And sometimes uh, people have experience in the darkness, which can be a catalyst for them turning towards the light. And yes. I like to refer to that as awakening from suffering. Yes, one of my favorite authors, actually, you might be able to tell I named this show The Secret Teachings about a decade and change ago. I named it The Secret teachings because my favorite book of all time is Manly P. Hall's The Secret Teachings of All Ages. And one of the things he wrote in that book that stood out to me more than anything else is that when you look at certain symbols, he used Baphomet as an example, and I've never thought Baphomet was evil. I thought it's an androgynous uh, uh, middle of the road thing that can mean whatever you want it to mean. But he described it as being positive to some, dark to others. But even the darkness that draws people in will eventually, because it's the bottom rung, uh, it will actually lead people to the light. So that's kind of the idea that no matter what the situation is, no matter how dark things are, a little bit of light can illuminate that darkness. Even if you're pulled into the depths, kind of as you were alluding to there, what you just said, Suzanne, it can actually bring you to the light with those experiences. Definitely, right? And then you turn around and you thank the dark night of the soul because those who plunge into a dark night of the soul and keep the faith, they'll see a point at the end of the tunnel and ultimately walk into it. And many times descending into the dark night leads to a great awakening as people are then compelled to seek a way out, which is typically a higher way of living and being. And then they step onto a spiritual path and turn toward the light. And that's, that's just precisely what the mystery schools before they were corrupted. And I mean, even after they were corrupted, I'm sure they maintain some elements of the dramas, but if you were to look at the, uh, the idea of, uh, well, Egypt is probably the most famous, but in Greece, they did this in Ulysses. They did this in South and Central America, in Japan, all over the world, in China, etc. They would have you go into the temple. Uh, part of your initiation, you'd abstain from meat, you'd abstain from alcohol, you'd abstain from social contact and especially any kind of sexual contact. You'd re you'd reflect on your thoughts and then you would be administered a, a sacred drink. It was the blue water lily in Egypt or it was the ergot in Greece and that would put you into hallucinogenic type uh, type of a state. You'd begin to hallucinate. You'd speak with ancestors, spirits, etc. You'd realize there is no death after death. It's just more life or another version of life. There's something beyond. And then you would usually uh, be put into a state of suspended animation with that drug for three days, roughly three days. And then you'd be resurrected. And part of that process, uh, I, I'm sure you know this, is like the idea of having to go through the trials of life those trials were dramatized in the mysteries where you'd have to swim through 
these underwater uh, tunnels under the pyramid, or you'd have to crawl through these really tight spaces. And they would represent the trials of life on the path to living resurrection. So whatever it was that the people in Africa or South and Central America, the Native Americans here in North America, uh, Japan, which has been super isolated forever, China, India, anywhere you look in the world, the islands of Malta that were probably connected to Sicily at one point, everywhere you look, they had the same ideas, probably a universal civilization or at least in contact with one another. But regardless of that, the sophistication of these ideas is like ultra spiritual, ultra sophisticated, ultra developed. And these are things that uh, whether or not technology is left over generations later, this stuff is as amazing, if not immensely more incredible than any kind of iPod or you know tablet that's left over, technologically speaking. The spiritual knowledge and wisdom preserved in some megaliths and monoliths and structures and texts, this is like incomprehensible. Our ancestors were, uh, not all of them probably, but a lot of them were far more advanced in a lot of ways than, than we could ever imagine because this stuff today is still so powerful it resonates through time and space absolutely and i like to call it spiritual technology and i do believe that through different practices tools and techniques we can experience higher states of consciousness i like how you keep referring to living resurrection right we can experience a type of resurrection with our expansion of consciousness I think that one thing that leads to ascension or to taking a leap into higher consciousness is both advanced knowledge and wisdom about the way the universe works, um, these uh, mysteries, uh, mystery schools or the secrets of the universe, coupled with our spiritual practices and living a spiritual life and being the highest version of our best self and everything that we think and say and do. And so I really do think it is twofold and we might call that masculine feminine balance or the sun and the moon or, you know, but it's this idea that we, in order to consciously evolve, intentionally ascend on our journey it's a combination of love and light, light being knowledge, wisdom, information, and love being, of course, a loving way of living and being on this planet and throughout all of our incarnations back to source. I'm glad that you defined what those two words mean, because my listeners know that I get on people about using those words when they don't define, define what they are. People just tell me love and light. I don't want to discuss it. And I'm, I'm thinking, well, you should be able to describe to me what it is that you're trying to convey with those words. So I appreciate you describing that and give me a definition of, of what those words mean to you. Suzanne Ross is our guest this evening. Suzanne, we've got about a minute until break. Uh, if you can give out the websites again, you got the uh, retreat coming up uh, the weekend of the 17th, 18th, and 19th. I'll be at the, uh, that retreat on Sunday for listeners that want to come say hi. Uh, what is the website? Uh, two websites, I think you said, that you had, and anything else you want to give out uh, here before break? 
Yeah, check out our retreat. I know that it's only a week away, but you can also dive into the live stream of it and watch it online or have a live stream party. But if you're in drivable distance, certainly drive here and come and join us. You can check it out at SedonaAscensionRetreats.com, a phenomenal three-day experience that also includes journeys out into the vortex sites of Sedona workshops and a lot of presentations and performances. Performances. Also, please visit my website, SuzanneRossTranscendence.com. There you'll find my books. I offer sessions, personal retreats in Sedona, and my Transcendence Guide Certification course. And we'll talk a little bit more about all that when we come back from break. And this is at the Sedona Performing Arts Center, correct? That is, yes. Uh, and w- when does that start Friday? If somebody wants to come out, when does that start on uh, Friday? What is that, the 17th? Yeah, registration starts at 8 a.m. and we dive right in at 9 a.m. All right, excellent. So that is SedonaAscensionRetreats.com. Suzanne Ross, the name is S-U-Z-A-N-N-E-R-O-S-S. I'm Ryan Gable. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact us for any reason, questions, comments, concerns, email rdgable at yahoo.com or tstradio at protonmail.com. Please check out our website, thesecretteachings.info. You can find my books. You can find our free archive. If you're already a subscriber, you can keep using the archive. Uh, That is the uh, ad-free version. You can resubscribe or just go to aftermath.media. That's where we're moving the archive. Otherwise, uh, for new subscribers, that's aftermath.media. And I want to thank all of you who tuned in after Ground Zero tonight to The Secret Teachings. You've stayed with us this whole time. We've got another segment coming up. And of course, in the archive, wherever and whenever you may be listening around the world, thank you so much. There's more with Suzanne Ross after this. Don't go anywhere. From para-history and the paranormal to the parapolitical and para-occult, you're listening to The Secret Teachings on Ground Zero Radio. This is The Secret Teachings. If you'd like to contact the show, email Ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com or find him on Facebook at facebook.com slash thesecretteachings. You know you can listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio. I don't need it. Or in the free archive on our website, thesecretteachings.info, or on any radio or podcast player or application. I don't need it. But you can also subscribe to our ad-free archive, now hosted by Aftermath.media. Definitely don't need it. There's the basic and premium options. You get the montages, my digital books, and more. For those of you who already have a Secret Teaching subscription, you can still keep that subscription. Just visit www.thesecretteachings.info or aftermath.media and subscribe today. I need it! If you're interested in all things that include the occult, from witchcraft to voodoo, and from mythology to alchemy, then why not check out the book Occult Arcana? Maybe you want to look at technology, black goo, UFOs, and demonic pacts made in the entertainment industry. Check out the technological elixir. Or if that's not enough, check out Good Philosophy. All three of these books are available in softcover or PDF at www.thesecretteachings.info. That's where you can read reviews, see pictures, and even order yours today. It not only supports the secret. 
secret teachings, but most importantly, it supports you. Hello, folks. This is Jordan Maxwell, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings, excellent shows with your host, Ryan Gable. I hope you find it enlightening. Suzanne Ross is my guest on The Secret Teachings. I'm Ryan Gable. Thank you so much for tuning in, for downloading the show, streaming the show, listening live on GroundZero.radio. Whenever and wherever you're listening around the world, I really, really appreciate it. You can grab a copy of one of my books on the website if you'd like to support us that way, or you can, of course, subscribe on our website or aftermath.media for the new subscribers. Going to have to get used to saying that as we switch over the archive aftermath.media five nights a week the secret teachings you can find us on groundzero.radio right after ground zero with Clyde Lewis tonight not only do we have Suzanne Ross but we've been able to really break down and define some of these words that I often take issue with or words that I would consider kind of buzzwords for a lot of people in podcasting and radio we've looked at ascension the soul the simulation. Suzanne Ross and I have, I think, had a really great conversation. She's got about 15 minutes left with us. I think part of this idea of awakening or resurrection, I want to describe really quickly what I interpret that to be, and it's a really simple story. When I take a piece of paper, uh, I grew up a Christian for the record, so and I'm not, I'm not a Christian now, but I grew up a Christian, so I heard the Genesis story over and over and over again. And when I took a piece of paper for the first time as an adult and I drew a circle, Suzanne, and I put a dot in the middle and I noticed that if you, you know, you draw your seven rays or your seven days of creation out from that point, you get this, of course, you get the spoked wheel, but you get this idea also, if you follow the Genesis story of the creation of the world, uh, the creation of the elements, you get the creation of the earth, you get the creation of water, you get the creation of the, of the air you get the creation of, of fire, the soul, the spirit, uh, and all of those affiliated, associated things. You get the four directions, the four corners. And as you keep playing with that, that little circle and those lines, you end up developing, uh, you can play around with it. You end up developing this idea. You realize, okay, so the seven days of creation and the seven rays of light or whatever it is in any culture is really geometrical because those seven rays come from an eighth point. What Rudolf Steiner said was the eighth sphere. And if you take that and blow it up into three dimensions, you get a cube. So we call that Saturn's cube or Metatron's cube. And outside of that cube or outside of the, uh, the analogy of the simulation is that circle or what we call Leviathan or what we call Ouroboros, the serpent consuming its tail. Uh, maybe that's the, the boundary of our reality, uh, speed of light, call it whatever you will. But it, it just shows us that the world is... All geometry, all math. That's why William Blake and other painters and authors have always referred to God as the grand architect. Uh, Jesus is a carpenter. Krishna was actually a carpenter. Krishna, the Christos, the Christ, another Christ. So when I draw this on a piece of paper, I have this revelation. Every time I look at the, 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 the simple drawing of a line, whether I'm drawing uh, a pentagram with the four elements and the fifth being the, the soul or the spirit, I'm drawing a circle with a dot and seven points coming from an eighth point, which is the cube in three dimensions. This stuff, Suzanne, absolutely, no matter how old I get or how young I was, 
it continues to blow my mind. And I think it's that realization of that or anything. It could be anything that fascinates you in that way. Uh, that really is the spirit speaking through you. It's screaming, yes, 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 this is right. There, there's something here to follow. That's the feeling I get. Uh, your thoughts, and then we'll have some open floor for you. Well, I'm just kind of laughing because you just described the first chapter of my book, Rise Up. Really? <laughs> Rise Up Awakening Through Revelations is a 10 days on the ascension path. And I start with Genesis and the seven days of creation. And I equate it to the seven levels of consciousness and to the seven rays of creation. And then furthermore, I move into the platonic solids. And of course, if you have a spoked wheel, what you end up with is seven triangles and then those seven triangles can become any one of the patterns of sacred geometry which are the fundamental patterns of creation as we know the triangle represents the divine trinity and then we know the smallest uh, fundamental particle in all of creation is recognized by physicists as the tetrahedron and each side of that smallest particle called the Planck length and of course Max Planck was a very famous physicist and so so these smallest particles, this triangle, which is the basis for all of the platonic solids and ultimately all of the elements, is literally the pixel. It is the pixelation of our reality and furthermore supports the idea of a simulation in that our reality is pixelated in bits. Okay, and so then we have quantized bits, which we know are photons, electrons, right, which make up our version of reality as well. I also think it's fun to talk about uh, the digital Big Bang. And so people have been struggling with this idea of everything from nothing, and few people can describe how that could possibly be. However, if it were like a computer game, it would have to be booted up from a zero point. And so that would describe a virtual reality game being booted up and before it's booted up, there is no space time for it to exist within the rules of that particular virtual reality game. So the, I mean the only place, no, this makes perfect sense because, and I've said this too, the only place you can get all things or everything in all capitals, everything, all things is from nowhere. Because if you have a limited space, then you're limited to all things. You have to have nothing for everything to come out of it. Right. And then you had talked about earlier the boundaries of the reality. And that again uh, points to a data limit. I believe that the speed limit of this game is the speed of light. And it keeps the avatars in the game because we cannot exceed the speed of light in this particular dimension of reality. Scientists want thought neutrinos exceeded the speed of light that they have since come along and said that the equipment that they were using to determine that was faulty and that in truth nothing can exceed the speed of light in this particular game. 
And so that would be the data processing limit of this game. Also, some people have said there's no way all of the information in this universe could possibly can be contained in any type of program. Well, it doesn't have to be because just like a virtual reality game on a computer, it only renders what you need to see to function in that game at that moment in space time. And so you can imagine if you were to look around you right now, all that has to render is the limit of what you can see. So it might be the four walls in the room that you're in, but even if you go outside, you can only see so far uh, and then it ends, right? And so that's all the game has to render for you. We also know that as we walk through our reality, we're collapsing the waves of potential into form. And of course, this has been proven through the double slit experience and various renditions of that over time, that yes, we as the intelligent observer are collapsing the waves of potential into the particles of form. As we move through our reality, it is rendering. And there again, supports this idea of a simulation. You know, it's really fascinating. I just read um, I just read this book on ancient sacred texts of uh, Nihon or Japan. And one of the things in the I've always been fascinated with the myth of Ameterasu, but her parents in the story, in the creation story, uh, Izanagi no Mikoto and Izanami no Mikoto, they actually in old, old, old Japanese, according to Japanese researchers, the name uh, Izanagi and the name Izanami or just Nagi and Nami relate to particles and waves. In other words, the sun, Amaterasu, and her brother Susano, and then the, the, the moon uh, goddess or god, there's no real description of male or female, uh, they are created, the moon, the sun, uh, uh, and weather, nature, everything is created as a result of waves and particles that interact with one another. Uh, th- I mean, that is told in one of the oldest recorded, uh, accepted officially and unofficially in Japan, Basically, the creation story is a scientific description, uh, a physics description of the creation of the Japanese islands and the creation of the world. So, I mean, these things are passed down to us in myth and just characters and stories. But apparently, based on linguistics and etymology, these words actually come from sophisticated understandings of science and nature. And that, Suzanne, just absolutely blows my mind. It's 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 really incomprehensible. I can't comprehend based on the perception of like our ancestors were primitive, how people could have conceived of such things if they were so primitive, which I do not believe anyway. But we've got about five minutes here left uh, with you, Suzanne Ross. Uh, anything else that you want to share with us, want to promote website, et cetera. Uh, and we're on your time frame for this last little bit of time. So uh, the floor is yours until you have to go. Thank you for that. I feel compelled to talk about my Transcendence Guide certification course. I felt really inspired to take these ideas, esoteric in nature, mystical, magical, and also very much based in science, quantum physics, biology, and combine all of this into a very empowering course that allows one to develop the creator consciousness. Now, my book, Rise Up, is very much based on developing creator consciousness, and we 
cannot become creators within our reality unless we understand how creation came into being and i, I have not reality works I, i'm sorry to cut you out but i've not read your book as you know and for the record for everybody else i've not read her book so when i mentioned that stuff at the beginning of this segment that's uh, just a segment from my book occult arcana so you know we've never talked before just email uh, but we're on the same page, and that's, you know, she said the beginning of her book, so we're seeing the same thing, apparently. But go ahead, though. Yes, and it's the fundamental truth, right, Ryan? And so that's, you know, what we start to come up with as we compare Genesis with the seven rays of creation, with the seven platonic solids, and then as we expand into more complex sacred geometry shapes and patterns. Right now, physicists are pointing to amplitudehedrons, which they are saying exists outside of space-time, thus recognizing that there is an outside of space-time that has everything to do with creating it, right? And so I like to explore all of these different aspects of the reality from science to quantum physics, even to different spiritual belief systems and biology in order to empower one to create effectively within their reality, right? Because we are creators. We are of and from the one infinite creator. And as we advance and evolve, we become more capable of creating within it. And so I want to empower people to develop this creator consciousness. So they literally have a hand in the reality which unfolds before them. I think one important key is to communicate with your eternal soul or source self who is the one projecting you as an avatar with free will in the game. If you can turn around and look at the one who is looking at you, we could call it the eye of your essence, then you can start to communicate directly with the one projecting the reality through you and then co-create the reality unfolding before you. And it's very empowering in that way. The more you know about how the universe works, the more you can create within it. And so my Transcendence Guide certification course includes videos, written material, audios, which are guided meditations, initiations, activations, sound, all with the idea of progressing you on your evolutionary path and taking you on an ascension adventure. So this, mm -hmm. this is something that you offer to, to just assist people in the process of learning these things. Would that be accurate? That is accurate, and it's self-guided, so people can jump in at any time. They can engage in it at their convenience and progress at their own rate. And so you can just jump on my website, SuzanneRossTranscendence.com, and click on Transcendence Guide Certification Course. 
Also, of course, my books are on my site. I'm the author of the Up Trilogy, which is Wake Up, Rise Up, and Lighten Up. And there are accompanying meditations to all of that. Of course, I offer sessions as well, ranging from spiritual counseling to intuitive readings, timeline regression, DNA activations. (laughs) And so you'll find lots to enjoy and progress through on my website. All right. And what were those websites again, Suzanne, before you have to go here? So my personal website is SuzanneRossTranscendence.com. I also am the creator and founder of SciSpy.tv, Merging Science and Spirituality. We have eight channels and over 40 shows. That's S-C-I-S-P-I TV. And then please come to Sedona and join us for our Sedona Ascension Retreat. That's SedonaAscensionRetreats.com. And you can also join us via Zoom. All right, excellent. I would like to have you back on at some point. I'm sure listeners are going to have questions they'd like me to pass on to you. So the next time we'll take some listener questions and we'll go from there. I really appreciate you coming on and also answering questions that a lot of people interpret might be, you know, interpret is kind of hard. Like a lot of people don't want to define what it is that they're describing. I appreciate you coming on the show and doing that. Thank you so much, Suzanne Ross. It's truly been a pleasure, Ryan. I've thoroughly enjoyed every moment of our fascinating discussion. I'd love to come back on. Excellent. And I will see you at the uh, retreat in a couple of weeks. Looking forward to it. And thanks to everyone who tuned in. Sending love and many blessings. Namaste. I will talk to you later, Suzanne. Have a wonderful evening. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. All right. There goes Suzanne Ross. We've still got 12 minutes with you. Here on The Secret Teachings, I'm Ryan Gable. If you're just joining us, that was Suzanne Ross. I will be attending that conference. I don't know if I'm going to get there Saturday night or Sunday. A lot of people think I've got all this money. I can just do whatever I want. Actually, I, you know, I got to do my show. I've got a lot of stuff going on. I can't always just jump at something and I don't have money to go stay somewhere. So I got to, I got to, you know, sleep in the the car. We're going to camp, which camping's not bad. We're going to camp up there for a couple nights. We both, uh, Hope and I, we both enjoy Sedona. Uh, there's that Chocola Tree restaurant. They don't pay me. I wish they did. They don't pay me, though. They have a great restaurant, uh, great atmosphere. We like to go and eat there. Uh, hiking in Sedona is great. Not excited about the snow. It's a little colder up there than it is down here in Tucson, but we will be up there if anybody is in Sedona or happens to be listening, who happens to be going to this event. I will be there and I will probably have a, you know, secret teaching shirt on or something. You know, you probably know what I look like by now if you're, if you're a stalker uh, or a creepy person who likes to watch me on the internet. But Sedona Ascension Retreated is at the Sedona Performing Arts Center. If you have questions, I'm sure that you do, for Suzanne, please email me and let me know what those questions are. I'm sure that... When I go back and listen, there's I know there's one thing for sure I didn't get to ask, but I'm sure when I go back and listen, there's other things I didn't get to ask for time's sake. So if that's something that you happen to pick out, uh, send me something, send me an email, let me know. And next time we have her on, we'll ask her some more questions. And, you know, I, I really try to be accommodating. And I, I, I'm, I think that this was a really good back and forth show. Um, we got to break down to her what Ascension is something that I'm, as you know, hypercritical of here on The Secret Teachings, especially people well, like David Wilcock and people in The Secret Space Program that sell a lot of uh, nonsensical stories and like telling people it's kind of like um, aliens or Jesus going to save them. Uh, 
Uh, I think that's dangerous. And I'm really glad that Suzanne also saw and, uh, you know, I'd asked her at the beginning her view on certain th- certain things like that. And she said, you know, just everybody's where they're at. And I asked her twice and then we come we come back to it later. And she says, yeah, she sees that it can be dangerous when you kind of take it as a literal thing, because whether it's, a you know, it's the simulation or it's ascension, it, it can be taken as a is a, is a very dangerous thing when you just let it um, let it kind of permeate and you just take that to be all that you need to do is just to believe it. And then it happens. And that's, that's a very dangerous thing. So I'm really happy that she and I were able to see eye to eye on that. Um, I was, I was hoping that we would be able to, and she also was one of the first people that's agreed to come on this show who talks about things like that. Cause I can't get like anybody else to come on to talk about it. It's either my reputation or they don't want to answer real questions. And so that's something that, uh, uh, I'm I'm glad that she came on. I'm hoping other people will also come on this show who might disagree with me. And disagreement's a good thing. If we don't disagree, we become stagnant. Uh, I'm not gonna you know attack people. Just come on the show and we'll have a conversation. I think I'm gonna pat myself on the back. I think I did pretty well tonight. And I hope that you really enjoyed the show. Still have about nine ten minutes left. Uh, again, I'll be at that conference and also we have our fundraiser for contact in the desert. So please support us for that. Send us to that conference. Uh, going to be a little different this year from what I understand. The people that are going to be there are going to be a lot different than who, who's normally there because of that, of that debacle years ago with, um, Jordan Sather, uh, and all the lies he told and the people, you know, he, he said that the event hired me to ask him questions uh, to make him look bad. <laughs> yes, Contact in the Desert hired me to ask logical, rational questions to Jordan Sather. That was the whole reason I was there. Still absolutely ludicrous. But he won't be there this year. I, I love conferences, although I don't I don't want to be one of those people on the lecture circuit. I don't think anybody would really let me do that consistently anyway. Um, because I, I just it's not my thing. But I love conferences because I like getting together with like-minded people. And although I definitely don't agree with all of the of the speakers at any given conference, um, that is a okay thing. We we should be able to disagree, and if other people have an issue with that, then that's as far as I'm concerned, that's their issue. That's not my issue. Um, I'll, I'll be pretty forthright with you right now. The Sedona Ascension Retreat. Um, you know, Brad's going to be there. Brad's a cool guy. Uh, there's, I mean, Brad's not just a cool guy. Brad's a good friend of mine. Brad Olson. There are some other people there that. I'm skeptical of like JJ and Desiree Hertog. I've had them on the show before and they were extremely rude to me and they were extremely rude to my callers. And I even had, um, I forget, I think it was, I think it was, uh, might've been kind of both of them at the same time telling me, get control of your show. Cause this guy's asking questions they didn't want to answer. And this was just a listener. So people like that rub me the wrong way. And some of these people I don't know, I've met Alan Steinfeld. He was a very nice guy. Uh, William Henry, uh, Michael Jaco, as I think Michael Jaco is going to be coming on the show this week. I don't actually know much about Michael Jaco. He was just uh, given to me as a guest. Uh, And then also, see, there's another guy on here I don't I don't really trust. That's Billy Carson. I don't really trust Billy Carson uh, with uh, the car raffle, uh, which I think is a scam uh, pretty sure he's also been convicted of fraud. So I'm not sure how you could trust Billy Carson, but there are other good people at uh, this conference. And I hope that you can appreciate my honesty and my objectivity of this and everything that we do here on the show. That's the whole point of the show to try to be objective and to try 
We try, can't always be perfect, but I try to bring you what I think is important intuitively in the moment, whether that's by the hour, by the segment, or by the day, by the show, by the week. And sometimes I miss things. And sometimes I'm wrong about things. And sometimes I overlook things. Uh, But my heart is pure, and I'm not trying to mislead or deceive anybody. So again, if you catch an inconsistency in the show or something you want to ask Suzanne about, just email me and uh, I'll talk to you and pass the question on to her or whatever the case is. Uh, We have a lot coming up in the next couple of weeks. I have a paper here with all the stuff on it. So we have coming up, uh, I think Michael Jaco is going to be with us uh, on Monday next week. We also have Laura uh, from, uh, well, we have, hold on a second. We have Laura. She's going to be the week after. So we got Michael Jaco. I think he's going to be Monday next week. We have uh, Leo Zagami coming back on the show. Uh, we have, well, Brad Olson's going to join us again next week for a, for a longer show. He just jumped on Friday. He's going to join us for a longer show. We have uh, Derek Murphy and Michael Strange coming on this week. I think we're going to do a two-parter. So what is it? It'll be not tomorrow. Tomorrow I'm doing a show on the four elements. Uh, Thursday and Friday are going to be a, a back-to-back roundtable with Derek Murphy and and Michael Strange. Then we'll have Michael Jaco on Monday. And uh, then Leo Zagami, Brad Olson, uh, good friends of ours. Then we're going to have, who else we got to have on the show? Oh, we're going to have Don Lester on the show next week. And... Also, I'm going to go to a little occult bookstore here in Tucson, and we have two really cool guys that are going to be coming onto the show. Uh, we're going to do a broadcast from their occult bookstore, which should be really fun. I'm going to try to make that a two-parter if I can squeeze another two hours out of them. They agreed to two, maybe two and a half or three, so I'm going to try to get four hours so we can do back-to-back shows. Uh, that will be next week on the show. So the thesecretteachings.info is our website. You know you can listen to the show there for free. You can also email us. You know the email. Find us on social media. All that. It's all that you probably need to know. We don't uh, have sponsors, so you sponsor us when you uh, buy a book or subscribe or whatever the case might be. And uh, yeah, we are going to have Laura Lavender on the show. Mysteries Beyond is her podcast, and we're going to have her on Monday after next, I think. So we've got a lot of guests coming up. A lot of fun stuff here on The Secret Teachings. I really, 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 really hope that you enjoyed tonight's show. It's a little unique, a little different than what we normally do. But I thought it was a lot of fun, and I thought we also hit on some really good points. Uh, the one thing that I really wanted to ask her was when she mentioned the Pleiadians and the and the alien stuff. I really wanted to see if she meant that literally or figuratively because, you know, I have a little bit of a an issue with that sometimes when we just talk about aliens as if they're standing next to us. But Suzanne was great. And you as an audience have been great. Uh, I think I've talked myself uh, to the end of the show tomorrow night. As I said, we're going to talk about the four elements, the four elementals, the fifth element being the soul or the spirit. Kind of funny because it, I, I planned tomorrow's show before I even knew Suzanne was coming on. And it just kind of so happens to be what we're going to be discussing tomorrow, but in more occult detail, we're going to be really specific about the elements and what they represent, their associations, their affiliations, their elementals, the pentagram. We're going to have a really deep occult show tomorrow on The Secret Teaching, so stay tuned for that. As always, stay safe, stay informed, stay healthy, 
The music that you hear on the show is White Bat Audio, and we will talk to you on the next broadcast. This is one of the first times in a long time that I've ended right before the end enough time to let the music play. Pat myself on the back for that again, too, because I usually go right up to the last minute. So, yeah, White Bat Audio, our ending song for tonight. and theology to history and the paranormal the secret teachings radio show brings you that and more monday through friday on ground zero dot radio you're listening to the secret teachings for more information on the show or to contact ryan visit the secret info or email ryan at rdgable at yahoo.com if you're looking to learn more in 2023 then look no further than books from the secret teachings The Technological Elixir explores UFOs, artificial intelligence, and demonic contracts in the entertainment industry. Liberty Shrugged is an illuminating and nonpartisan look into American history, focusing on natural law, slavery, and the war for independence. Food philosophy is not a diet book, but it does help alleviate confusion over food industry propaganda with specific focus on bizarre ingredients that are put into your foods. And Occult Arcana is a compendium of esoteric wisdom, from theology and sympathetic magic to witchcraft, voodoo, and the origins of holidays. Get physical and digital copies of these books only at www.thesecretteachings.info. And remember, all physical books also come with a digital copy as well. This is one of the best discussions I've been on in a long time. You guys are right on it. Howdy, this is Joe Mars, and you're listening to The Secret Teachings. You know you can listen to The Secret Teachings Monday through Friday on Ground Zero Radio. I don't need it. Or in the free archive on our website, thesecretteachings.info, or on any radio or podcast player or application. I don't need it. But you can also subscribe to our ad-free archive, now hosted by Aftermath.media. Definitely don't need it. There's the basic and premium option. You get the montages my digital books and more for those of you who already have a secret teaching subscription you can still keep that subscription just visit www.thesecretteachings.info or aftermath.media and subscribe today I need this is david Ike, and you are listening to the secret teachings with ryan gable